This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Family and friends are rallying around a fireworks technician critically injured in a freak accident at a racetrack on Vancouver Island. One of the cars lost control and flipped, landing right on top of Jonathan Sedman as he set up for the post-race pyrotechnics. Kylie Stanton has more on the heroic effort to save him and the surprise waiting for him when he wakes up. Uh, so good racing there. The cars take a turn, three wide, and another approaches, forcing one to lose control. You can totally see the guy just gets shot out. It hits the barricade, flips in the air, and comes to a stop, landing partly on another vehicle, but also on Jonathan Sedman, a fireworks technician who was preparing for his show. I've never seen anything like this. When I found out there was somebody underneath it, I was just like, oh, that's not good. The crew at Saratoga Speedway rushed to the scene, lifting the race car off the 41-year-old. Within minutes, the fire department joins the rescue effort. He was conscious, but he was complaining of, of numbness and tingling and, and, and a sore chest. Sedman was flown to Vancouver General Hospital, where he's currently heavily sedated, allowing his body to recover after breaking five ribs, his pelvis and left hip, as well as rupturing his bladder and suffering a brain bleed. It was just utter shock. Utter shock. His sister, parents, and pregnant wife rushed to the hospital, planning to stay by his side. But that quickly changed. So we're sitting there waiting and waiting, and she just starts to notice that she's having contractions like every four minutes or so. At only eight months along, she was sent to Langley, the only hospital with the space and ability to deliver a baby. Hours later, Sedman's little boy was born. I think he'll be pretty devastated that he didn't get to see that moment. But the response from family and friends it's, and just strangers just reaching out has just been incredible. A GoFundMe page has already raised more than $15,000 to help the new family of three during this time that's both difficult yet joyful and nearly impossible to put into words. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's super hard. But if anyone has a reason to pull through, it's Sedman. He's slowly, slowly making progress. His baby won't be named until he and his wife are able to discuss it together. Kylie Stanton, Global News. A serious reminder as we approach the legalization of marijuana. Edibles can be an especially tempting treat to little ones. This comes after a child in the Comox Valley was rushed to hospital after eating cannabis-infused gummies. The child was in the back seat of a vehicle when she found loose candies and ate an unknown number of them. Cannabis is toxic to children. Um, it is being made into these edible products that appear to be candy. So uh, this young child, a two-year-old child, isn't able to read the label and determine that, hey, I shouldn't be eating this. Unfortunately, it looks like a gummy bear. And uh, children will consume that because it's candy and it tastes great. We're learning more tonight about the murder of a 19-year-old woman in Richmond. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team announcing charges have been laid against a 23-year-old man who appeared in court today. 
And our Sarah McDonald was there. Sarah, there is apparently a connection between the victim and the accused. Yeah, Chris, it is believed the two were in a romantic relationship, but investigators are revealing few other details about this case. That suspect appearing in court here in Richmond very briefly just a few hours ago. She was only 19 years old when she was killed. Her body discovered inside this Richmond home early Thursday. A man has been charged in connection with the death of Aspen Pallet. On Friday, that man, now an accused killer, was identified by investigators as her partner. Solaris Day, 23 years old, charged with manslaughter, just steps away from the house that's now a crime scene. Concerned a little bit, yeah. I'm surprised a 19-year-old got murdered. I cannot believe, believe that it can happen in Richmond. It's, it's, it's quite alarming. Investigators aren't revealing many details in this case, though the public is not believed to be at risk. Their prime suspect arrested nearby shortly after Pallet's body was discovered. They were actually in a relationship together, okay? Um, but uh, as, as far as his background, uh, where he lived or, or anything like that, I can't speak to that at the moment. But this isn't the first time Day has made headlines, and you may recognize this face from 2017. RCMP at the time asking for the public's help in locating him when he was briefly reported missing, identified then as a resident of the remote and secluded Hornby Island. In Richmond, it is very, very surprising because it's very quite safe here. Now investigators are appealing for witnesses once again, though in a very different capacity looking to speak with anyone with information on Day or his alleged victim. I'm very surprised. As they work to piece together the final moments of this young woman's life and exactly what happens behind closed doors. Certainly some disturbing details there. Sarah, what happens next in this case? Mm. Well, Day will remain in custody for the next several weeks at least. During that time, we are told he will retain counsel and Chris's next court appearance is October 23rd. All right, thanks for the update, Sarah. IHIT is identifying the victim of a shooting in Chilliwack as 27-year-old Kyle Cromarty. Cromarty was gunned down yesterday afternoon in the 46,000 block of Yale Road, east of the downtown area. Investigators believe Cromarty's death to be targeted. It's very clear that somebody intended to kill Kyle Cromarty. Um, somebody marked him for murder, okay? And we need to understand why. And uh, from the police checks from our databases, they tell us that he was not known to police, okay? Um, but uh, we'll start, we'll, we're still trying to learn as much as we can about him, right? And this is where we need his friends to come forward. Investigators continue searching for the person or persons responsible for the deadly shooting and the motive. A pathologist took the stand today in the murder trial of Japanese student Natsumi Kogawa, her testimony raising new questions about how Kogawa died. William Schneider has pleaded not guilty to second-degree murder in her death, and Nadia Stewart is covering the trial. Dr. Kara Lee, a pathologist who's conducted about 1,200 autopsies, took the stand. She was called in given her expertise. Lee began her autopsy of Natsumi Kagawa's body on October 3, 2016. Immediately, she said she encountered challenges. Specifically, Kagawa's body was, as she put it, rotting away, essentially decomposing. She pointed out in some deaths, there aren't any causes obvious to the naked eye, and she specifically mentioned asphyxiation and drug intoxication. 
in this case. Lee says she was not able to determine exactly how Kagawa died, but did not rule out either of those possibilities. A toxicology report revealed two prescription drugs were present in Kagawa's system. Zopiclone, a sleeping medication, and lorazepam, an anti-anxiety drug that has a sedative effect, so it can also double as a sleeping pill. If both drugs are taken together, they would combine to produce sleepiness, dizziness, and they'd affect motor coordination. During cross-examination, we learned Lee did not have any of the victim's medical history, and there's no indication of what quantity of drugs was consumed. So it's still unknown how much of each drug was present in her body at the time of her death. Lee is not ruling out overdose as a cause of death. The trial continues on Tuesday. Back to you. Nadia Stewart reporting. Thank you, Nadia. A man who had formerly lived in Delta is facing seven charges in connection with human trafficking and prostitution. 35-year-old Mohammed Beg of Coquitlam made his first court appearance earlier this week. And while police aren't releasing his picture, they do believe there are more victims and are asking them to come forward. These charges are stemming from information that we received in 2017 uh, from a resident of uh, Delta who came forward to us and believed that a home up in North Delta was being utilized uh, for prostitution and uh, with suspicions that the prostitution involved underaged females. Another individual was also identified as a perpetrator in the prostitution ring but died due to an unrelated incident prior to charges being laid. Anyone with information or anyone who may have been victimized is asked to contact Delta Police or Crime Stoppers. BC Ferries is seeking a builder for five new vessels. The ships will replace the Queen of New Westminster, Alberni, Cowichan and Coquitlam. The bidding process is open to shipyards around the world, but local and national companies are being encouraged to get involved too. The vessels are expected to be quieter and have a lighter ecological footprint than any previously built. The expenditure still needs the approval of the B.C. Ferries Commissioner. The new boats are hopefully going to enter service in 2023. Employment in B.C. was up last month with the unemployment rate falling to its lowest level in a decade. Keith Baldry joins us with more on the numbers and where those jobs have been created. Keith. Yeah, so it'll be pretty encouraging news on the economic front. The best uh, job uh, numbers since the NDP came to power a little more than a year ago. Stats Canada today uh, releasing its monthly survey, and it's really good news for BC. It shows from the changes from August to September. So 33,000 more jobs created in September over August. Even with all the kids going back to school, employment is up big time. Good news is most of those, 26,000, are full-time jobs. That hasn't always been the case in BC and other places, and just 7,000 part-time. And the unemployment rate has fallen to just 4.2%. That's a decline of uh, more than 1%, one uh, point. That's the biggest month-to-month -month decline on the unemployment rate in more than 20 years. We caught up with Jobs Minister Bruce Ralston, who likes what he sees, but knows there's still some uh, potential trouble spots out there, particularly when it comes to finding skilled workers. Here's Bruce Ralston. Most sectors are are really are really doing well. The biggest concern I have, and this is reflected in the very low unemployment numbers, is uh, businesses are looking for, uh, for, for workers. There's a, a labor shortage and that's why we've stepped up uh, our efforts to train, whether it's in universities, colleges, vocational training, and our new program to train apprentices uh, for uh, some of the trades as well. Uh, that's increasingly the challenge in the British Columbia economy. And 
Now, where are all those 33,000 jobs being created? First of all, education uh, uh, has a lot of creation because a lot of the hiring of new teachers. Also, healthcare continues to hire people at a record rate. And the agriculture sector also is hiring people. And I can't help but think that's partly because cannabis is going to be legal October 17th. And there's a bunch of people now working legally in the production of that crop. Point. All right. Thank you, Keith. New life for a building that was once the Vancouver Police Station at 312 Main. The first phase of the project has hit a milestone, transforming the former station on the downtown east side. The building is being turned into a social, economic and creative hub for community organizations and local businesses. It's not uncommon for these organizations to work in isolation to each other. So we're melting silos and melting differences. It's an opportunity for different kinds of peoples and communities to become one and weave together our efforts for a world that works better. More than 60,000 square feet is currently in use by members. The next phase will see the facility expand to 83,000 square feet. The doors officially open to the community in spring 2019. Right now, though, a freak accident on the ice has claimed the life of a 22-year-old rec hockey league player. While playing a game earlier this week, he went headfirst into the boards. Jill Bennett has more on what's believed to have happened and how family and friends are remembering him tonight. We never realized the magnitude of the heart that he had that touched people. Yeah. At six foot six, 22-year-old Noah Tralson was a giant on the ice. But outside the rink, his family says he was larger than life. Started off as just my brother, and then throughout the years became my best friend, my idol. There's nothing he would have done for anyone. Trollson started playing hockey a little later than most, around age 11, but he loved it. He was kind of like a giraffe on ice when he first started, and he just worked so hard. Um, to be the best that he could be at the sport that he loved. And through all that, he just, he shone. Wednesday evening, he was called in to play as a spare defenseman in the Adult Safe Hockey League at Langley Twin Rinks. During the game, Noah tripped headfirst into the boards. He died, despite teammates and first responders trying their best to save him. Nobody, nobody could have done anything better. We don't know... 100% what has happened, whether he broke something, whether he had a heart attack. The Trollsons say they knew Noah had a lot of friends, but they had no idea how many, as tributes are now pouring in. We battle hard on the ice against each other, but in times like this, we rally hard with each other. I've already received numerous calls uh, today, text messages today, on, on different initiatives that we should uh, begin to look at taking uh, part in moving forward to support the Trollsons. The morning the day he died, Trollson received his certificate to become an electrician. It's now a reminder of a young man described as loyal, kind and funny, someone who always wore his heart on his sleeve. He would always, always say, I love you. That was the last words yeah. that we said to no ourselves. No matter what, his last words are, I love you. Even when he left that night, his yeah. last words to all of us. Yeah. Jill Bennett, Global News. Kelowna residents are raising some serious safety concerns tonight related to homelessness. They're worried the neighborhood is increasingly under pressure from homeless campers who sometimes set up shop on private property. Global's Kelly Hayes reports. But they, they set up tent in here, in the back. 
behind the sheds. Over the past year, Grinnell says groups of homeless have started making themselves at home on her property. Grinnell does have compassion for the people invading her privacy. She's come to know some of them and their stories, including a young woman who frequents the area. 20 years old, her mom's uh, homeless and uh, drug addict at the gospel mission, she said, and she's camped out with her boyfriend. But in the end, Grinnell says she fears for her safety. I'm scared that sometimes, you know, they're going to break in at night and stuff. This is her neighbor's boat. The neighbor didn't want to go on camera for fear of retribution, but tells Global News they recently found a homeless man in the boat with a bag of drugs and needles. Here's a photo of when police showed up. The homeless have also been found in the neighbor's vehicle, leaving a mess behind. He was pulling on the door. It got broken once already because of that. And Perry lives in a condo on Cedar Avenue next to Grinnell's house. She says after an attempted break-in and other incidents, she no longer feels safe in her neighborhood. You know, you just don't know what they're going to do. We asked the RCMP to comment on the situation on Cedar Avenue. They played it down, saying since September 1st, RCMP have responded to only a small number of complaints in the vicinity of Cedar Avenue with respect to suspicious or unwanted persons. A response from police is unlikely unless the individuals are found to be committing a criminal offense. But off the record, Grinnell says police tell a different story. One police officer yesterday was... Uh saying, you know, he's been here a year and he's seen so much, it's so much worse just even in a year. It's, it's just getting worse and worse. Kelly Hayes, Global News, Kelowna. Well, if you've been thinking about getting a cat lately, now just might be the perfect time. The SPCA has been inundated with cats and kittens, including more than 100 that were recently surrendered from one property alone. Global's Claudia Van Emmerich reports. He's very scared right now. Fearful and in bad shape. They were very dirty. There was urine stains all over their fur. They have Jardia, which is a disease that comes from close contact to other animals' feces. The Penticton SPCA once again dealing with a huge cat intake, 46 felines to be exact. It was two weeks ago that the Penticton shelter took in 65 cats, the latest arrivals bringing the total to 111. It is actually a mind-blowing fact that we took in about 111 cats from one mobile home. According to neighbours, the 100-plus cats lived in this mobile home behind me in a park that's currently being dismantled for redevelopment. It's tragic. It's a case of absolute uh, hoarding. Um, these cats were living in deplorable conditions. The owner surrendering the cats after the SPCA launched a cruelty investigation. She first surrendered the 65 and days later admitted there were a few more. But it turns out there were a lot more. These people often tend to hide animals or in fact they just don't know how many they have. Many of the original 65 cats have been transferred to other shelters around the province. But this latest intake has so overwhelmed the Penticton shelter it's been forced to temporarily shut its doors. We don't have enough staff to be able to deal with reception. Uh, we need to take care of these animals. Treating the animals will be costly, so the SPCA is again making an appeal for monetary donations. As for any cruelty charges, that is not yet known. Claudia Van Emmer, Global News, Penticton. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. 
From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Roads were turned into raging rivers in parts of southern Italy today. The region hit with torrential rain and more severe weather is on the way. A mother and son were killed by the flooding. A second child is also missing. In the U.S., Brett Kavanaugh appears to be just 24 hours away from being confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The day began after two previously undecided senators came off the fence to say they were voting in favor of the divisive nominee. Peter Alexander reports. Protesters! Tonight, Brett Kavanaugh's contentious confirmation battle heading to a dramatic conclusion after another day of protests. And suspense. The decision coming down to four senators who today finally revealed their intentions. First, Alaska Republican Lisa Murkowski voting no in a critical test vote, indicating she could not support Kavanaugh. I believe he is a good man. It just may be that in my view, he's not the right man for the court at this time. But Arizona Republican Jeff Flake, who originally called for the FBI background investigation, announcing he would vote yes. Think he'll get confirmed tomorrow. We'll did our best. I, I would think so. Then there were two, Kavanaugh needing one of them to secure his seat on the nation's highest court. After an hours-long wait, Maine Republican Susan Collins coming to the Senate floor, arguing there was not enough evidence to back up the sexual misconduct allegations against Kavanaugh, including Christine Blasey Ford's claim, an accusation Kavanaugh denies. None of the individuals Professor Ford says were at the party has any recollection at all of that night. I do not believe that these charges can fairly prevent Judge Kavanaugh from serving on the court. Collins will vote yes. I will vote to confirm Judge Kavanaugh. Republican applause in the chamber. Moments later, Kavanaugh picking up a Democratic vote. Joe Manchin from deep red West Virginia, a state President Trump won by 42 points, also backing the judge. I believe Dr. Ford. Something happened to Dr. Ford. I don't believe that the facts showed that it was Brett Kavanaugh. All of it punctuating one of the fiercest Supreme Court confirmation fights in history. The conduct of left-wing dark money groups and their allies in this body have shamed us all. Never before have we had a nominee display such flagrant partisanship and open hostility at a hearing. Kavanaugh responding to that criticism, delivering his own closing argument. Writing in the Wall Street Journal, I might have been too emotional at times, adding, I hope everyone can understand that I was there as a son, husband, and dad. And after tomorrow's vote, it appears all but certain he'll also be a Supreme Court justice. Peter Alexander, NBC News, Washington. A pair of campaigners against sexual violence have won this year's Nobel Peace Prize. To Dennis McVeigh and Nadia Murad for their efforts to end the use of sexual violence as a weapon of war and armed conflict. 
Dennis McQuigga is a 63-year-old Congolese doctor who has been an outspoken critic of how the country treats victims of sexual violence. The second laureate, 25-year-old Nadia Murad, was a captive of the so-called Islamic State and later became the face of a campaign to free the Yazidi people. Construction began today on a new bridge connecting Canada and the United States. The link is one of the busiest crossings between the two countries. This project and what it will achieve was, of course, important last week, but it's even more important this week. After all, this week, Canada reached an agreement... Prime Minister Trudeau citing the newly inked U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement as he celebrated the start of work on the Gordie Howe International Bridge. It's named, of course, for the late hockey legend. The six-lane cable-stayed bridge is expected to provide direct connections to highway networks between Windsor, Ontario and Detroit, Michigan. About a quarter of goods traded between Canada and the U.S. pass through the current crossing every year. The new span comes with a $5.7 billion price tag and is expected to be complete by 2024. In health matters, stroke patients often struggle to regain their mobility, but researchers here in B.C. and across the country are hoping science can help. They're testing whether robotic technology can improve mobility and possibly even help patients regain their ability to walk. Catherine Urquhart reports. With a bit of assistance, David Hobbs is strapped into a robotic exoskeleton. The machine is helping him learn how to walk again following a stroke in July. Here we go, push up and forward. David is among 40 stroke survivors taking part in a study of the technology. Vancouver among three Canadian cities participating. I wouldn't be anywhere near where I've gotten to without it. First step, three, two, one. Physical therapist Riley Louie is carrying out the study with the help of a $300,000 donation from the Heart and Stroke Foundation. The machine has the functions to stand you up and get you walking and it can provide 100% assistance to both your legs so you can change the software settings to make it more natural and rhythmic for the patient and you can also change how much assistance is provided from 100%, 90, 80, all the way down to no help on one side. The exoskeleton helped my nerves to know what they needed to do when the, when the muscles moved. The exoskeleton moves the muscles and then the nerves, the nerves react the way they react when the muscle moves. At a cost of $100,000, the exoskeleton is pricey, but costs are expected to come down. They are actually um, developing a home device that you can actually take home a bit cheaper because you don't have to have so many different sizes for those individuals. So, you know, this is relatively new. We will see more come on the market and we'll also see the uh, prices come down over time. The study will continue into 2019, but David is already sold on the technology. The exoskeleton has been absolutely instrumental in getting me back on my feet again. The robotic exoskeleton already showing promising results for this stroke survivor and potentially countless others. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Clean air advocates in Britain are launching a unique campaign. <coughs> <coughs> This bear, disguised as a memorial, is Toxic Toby, exposing the dangers of polluted air. Advocates say Londoners are regularly exposed to illegal levels of toxin, so much so that every year, 9,400 people die in the city prematurely. 
Toxic Toby travels each day to different parts of London. Whenever the air quality reaches a dangerous level, he raises a paw, the coughing ensues, and a, and a tweet is sent to local politicians. Campaigners are urging British lawmakers to vote on a bill that would legally make clean air a human right and force organizations to act. An eight-year-old girl has made an ancient discovery while on a family vacation. The girl found a pre-Viking era sword during the summer near her family's holiday home in southern Sweden. Experts at a local museum estimate the sword to be around 1,500 years old. Locals joke the discovery makes the girl the new Queen of Sweden, comparing her find to the legend of King Arthur. He was given the right to rule after being handed the Excalibur sword by the Lady of the Lake, so the legend goes. And it turns out the little girl is from Minnesota and a Vikings fan. Well, that all works out together, doesn't it? it? Does. All right, a wildlife stare down caught on camera. More on this moose face off right after the forecast. <laughs> Who's your money on? All right, let's check it out uh, with Christy. We've got a look at the forecast now. And mm -hmm. uh, oh, that's a nice fall kind of autumn uh, picture behind you. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I didn't realize that pumpkins were this big. I guess I should have. It is time for picking pumpkins, but uh, yeah. They're already this big, everyone, and this weekend could be a good one, actually, to be heading to the pumpkin patch. But really, I'm going to show you there's only one day where you can get out there and do that. All right, let me talk about the system we were showing you yesterday. Did it hit us? Yes, it did, but at least it wasn't a soaker. We saw dry conditions for most part of the day. Those of you across Vancouver Island, though, you were certainly wet, and that did mean that... Mount Washington saw snow this morning. Yes, it was so exciting for the skiers and snowboarders in that area to see a dusting of white snow. It has melted somewhat, but it's pretty exciting. They don't open till December 7th, but we're keeping our fingers crossed that it could be a little bit earlier. It is wet, though, on the Malahat. A lot of people traveling uh, this time of year, and uh, tonight it is going to continue to be wet. That rain not easing off till overnight. There's your Thanksgiving forecast for all of the south coast. Some morning fog, otherwise sunshine. So yes, that's your day to head to the pumpkin patch. Or I'm sure you have a lot of outdoor cleaning up to do. I've been wanting to get out there and uh, do some trimming and things and tomorrow's your day to do it. Sunday will not be. That's the day to just stay inside and enjoy a little turkey. And if you're traveling into the interior, we have been watching these roads. There's a slight chance of a flurry, but really that's not what I'm worried about. It's more so we could see fog patches uh, overnight tonight. So as soon as the um, light goes and it's dark out, the fog patches could be pretty thick and you may run into it and lose visibility. So watch for that right into the morning hours. It's only Kootenai Pass that is expecting some flurry activity overnight tonight and tomorrow morning. The interior, you have two really nice days on the way. So this is all across the Thompson Okanagan. So enjoy those two sunny days before you're in for rain on Sunday. Across the north, though, sunshine for your Saturday, although the north coast will start to see rain. That is the rainfall that's going to push down towards the south coast on Sunday. Lots of sunshine Saturday and Sunday across these regions. But for the south coast, it's really just one day. So make sure you get out there and enjoy that. Because Sunday, we are in for periods of rain. And we will still see showers on Monday. And temperatures will be on the cool side. Yes, that turkey is a little chilly. All right, I'll leave you with a beautiful shot from Port Alberni. Thanks to Greg Penny for that. I love... I love the flapping of the wings. I and, know. and the shaking of the booty. <laughs> it's a frisky turkey. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, Christy. Well, remarkable video shows something few people have seen in the wild. Two moose fighting it out on a country road in New Brunswick.
The video shared by Dennis Levesque of Campbellton has been shared thousands of times and been watched more than half a million times. It sounds and looks worse than it is. The two big animals mostly just stare each other down for a long period of time before locking horns briefly, and then one of the moose runs away, which is... It's kind of like a weigh-in. That's, that's a good end of a fight. I'm I always guess. amazed at how big those animals are. Yeah, they are massive, mm -hmm. aren't they? Don't want to run into one on the highway. Here's Barry. No, Look who no, just no. drove in. Hi, Barry. Just landed. Just landed on your private <laughs> jet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are the lions surging? Uh, well, we say that? not judging by last week, they're not. No, of I know, course, but, but uh, you know, yeah, they, better they, than the beginning. They're going to have to. It's how you finish. There's still there's still time, but uh, they got to have this one. Yeah. Right. All right, thanks very much, guys. The Lions absolutely have to beat the lowly Argos tomorrow afternoon at BC Place to maintain a decent shot at making the playoffs. Toronto's record is just 3-10. and They have not won on the road and are a team ripe for the picking. The Lions need to restore some confidence after that debacle last week in Hamilton. Soli goes in zone, and he has the touchdown. Luke Tasker. Yeah, you know, to go into Hamilton and get beat 40-10, uh, you know, I'm going to say it. You know, Candy was embarrassing for me and should be embarrassing for the players. It was more than just embarrassing. It was a stunning reversal of fortune. A week before, the Lions were erasing leads and winning by centimeters. Then a week later, they were losing by miles. But I think for a lot of teams coming off an emotional win like we did, uh, it's kind of hard to match that intensity the very next week against the very same opponent. But... You know, that's our job. We have to, and, and we didn't. So, you know, this is kind of our chance for redemption to, to show the league that that's not the team we are. And they get the perfect team to restore their confidence in Toronto. Even though BC lost to the Argos earlier this year, that game was in Ontario. Toronto doesn't travel well. They are 0-6 on the road, so this has to be considered BC's game to lose. Uh, we, we really need the win. Uh, obviously, we're in a uh, dogfight out here in the West, and um, we are one game away from, uh, you know, kind of being where we want to be, uh, tied up with two other teams in the West, and uh, need to make sure we take advantage. This is the last supposed easy game left on BC's schedule. After this one, they'll have two games against Calgary and one each against the Eskimos, and the Rough Riders. And so far this year, they are one in three against those teams. So beating Toronto is paramount. You know, we understand the value of the game. Uh, this is our game to be 7-7, seven seven, you know, with the Winnipegs, with the Edmontons, and it gives us uh, the opportunity for us to, you know, uh, get into a playoff position. Time. CFL tonight from Ottawa. Bombers in town. Lions hoping to get a favor from the Red Blacks. First quarter, though, Matt Nichols to Darvin Adams, who goes in for the touchdown. Bombers led 10-8, and now they're up 22-14 in the fourth. So if that score holds, Winnipeg will move up four points on the Lions in the West. The Whitecaps' playoff situation is desperate. Just four games to play. They are eighth in the West, six points back, and have a tough schedule. Tomorrow they're in Toronto, where they've not had much success of late against TFC. But anything less than a win against the defending champs could spell the end of the Caps' playoff hopes. To win, we need to we need to have like some self belief and self pride. Um, do it to the guy, the guys in the change room. Um, we don't know what will happen in the next few games, but obviously we keep the right mentality and, and stay positive and optimistic for the next four games. I think we'll be all right. 
Baseball playoffs from Fenway Park, game one of the American League Divisional Series. Yankees and Red Sox, former Blue Jay Jay Happ starting for New York. Got a good start. Three-run jack from J.D. Martinez. 3-0 Boston. Happ lasted just two-plus innings, gave up five runs. It's 5-1 now, Red Sox. They are in the sixth. Earlier, game one of the ALDS between Houston and Cleveland. Astros are the defending World Series champions in the fifth. George Springer crushes one to left. Solo homer, 3-0 Astros. A lot of home runs fly out of that park in Houston. Next man up, Jose Altuve goes deep. Back-to-back homers. They hit four of them today. They take game one, 7-2 over Cleveland. And game two of the National League Divisional Series, Brewers and Rockies. Milwaukee won the opener in extra innings. Today, fourth inning, Hernan Perez with a ground rule double scores. Mike Moustakas, who had also doubled. Brewers go on to take it 4-0, and they lead the best of five. Two games to none, game three in Denver on Sunday. UFC fans are anticipating another great show tomorrow night in Vegas. Conor McGregor is back in the octagon against undefeated Khabib Nurmagomedov. We call him Khabib. Love him or hate him, McGregor is as gifted with the mic in his hands as he is fighting in the cage. And that has drawn some comparisons to the greatest of them all, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is a special, special individual. I do not... I am not even close to that man's greatness. The things he done throughout his career, he is a special individual. And to be even, even have my name next to that man is like, is truly a truly proud moment for me. So thank you all, but I I, I cannot compare myself to that great man. No, pretty respectful. I mean, he's he said a few things with the mic in his hands that people might not agree with, but you'd have to say that was that was a respectful response for sure. All right, thanks, okay. Barry. Thanks, Barry. Here's Jay Durant now with a preview of Global News at 11 tonight. Thank you very much, Chris. A memorial is underway tonight for the young Maple Ridge man who died in a freak accident while playing hockey yesterday. We have a camera there. And a rock band 5440 is putting out a public plea after they were robbed last night. The band has two gigs tonight and tomorrow at the Commodore. They say their equipment, including several guitars, was stolen from a U-Haul van that was parked in New Westminster. A reward is being offered. We'll hear from the band tonight when you join us at 11. But they're still playing tonight, right? The show will go on. Okay, good. Thanks very much, Jay. Well, many of us will be counting our blessings this Thanksgiving, and that also includes a turkey on Vancouver Island. And it's not just because Gertie was saved from being part of the holiday meal. John Hua has the story. From the colorful fixings to fresh-cut herbs, everything has been carefully chosen inspired by the main feature of a special Thanksgiving dinner. Meet Gertie, but this turkey isn't destined for the dinner plate. After becoming quite literally a drumstick short of a death sentence. She jumped up on a hay rack and fell off, but her leg got caught. So she hung there for the whole evening, so the leg died and had to be amputated by a veterinarian. That suffering ultimately led to her salvation at a Home for Hooves farm sanctuary in Duncan, B.C. Right now we're waiting for her leg to heal properly, so she needs to have a really solid foundation. So once that skin is very tough and hard, she's going to be fitted for a prosthetic. Once word got out that Gertie needed a new leg, her transformation from main course to shared cause was complete. This is a way that we can have turkey involved with Thanksgiving, uh, but keep them alive and even more so support them. So a vegan Thanksgiving dinner has been planned in Vancouver. 
featuring a plant-based Gertie alternative. All the proceeds going towards the turkey's new leg. That's it's awesome just to be hearing the fact that, like, you know, an animal can be saved instead of, you know, putting on our tables. And it wasn't just vegans who signed up for the multiple course meal. Gertie has inspired many others to give more than just thanks. That resulted in a full sold-out dinner within two days. With the money raised, there's still the burning question. Who has the skills to cook up a prosthetic turkey leg? There is a fellow who makes prosthetics for humans and for dogs, and now he wants to take on the challenge of creating one for a turkey. So this Thanksgiving, Gertie is sitting pretty. Thankful she's much too tough to be a tasty meal. John Hua, Global News. <laughs> Gertie gets another life. Is that, is that an indefinite stay, though, for Gertie? I mean... Well, is this ongoing? Once you get a prosthetic in the turkey world, you're safe? Is that how that goes? I'm pretty sure the people who are caring for Gertie now will never let her out of their yeah. sight. Yeah, after putting money That's, into I the suppose. prosthetic. She would have one leg to drum drumstick to stand again, on. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, one leg to stand. Gertie, you're good. The family be fighting over the drumstick. Thanksgiving long weekend is, a, is upon us. Yeah. And, uh, what's the weather looking like? Well, the first half of your weekend, or first third of your weekend, looking pretty nice. That's the day to make sure you get outside. Sunday's not looking great, and Monday's iffy. Does that guy know Gertie? Do you think? That, he probably does. That is Gertie. Te- maybe. Teaching him his moves. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy it.